Welcome to the Human and Technology Podcast. This podcast is for anyone who develops, distributes or uses technology. For all those who always have the feeling that technology overwhelms or dominates them. For everyone who wants to know how to deal with technology in everyday life. For anyone who wants to understand what technology does to us and how we can get our lives back. This podcast is for those who want to make technology sexy. All the product developers, designers, UX, UI professionals, product managers, CTOs and CEOs. And it is for you. My name is Dr. Peter Reska. My friends call me Dr. Peter. I am your host and I am happy that you are here. Welcome to the last episode of the Human Technology Podcast in 2023. I will put this one online on December 8. And with my two weeks rhythm that I established over the past month, um, the next one will be very close to Christmas and um, I will have things to do, you will have things to do before Christmas if you celebrate it. So I made the decision to have a little winter break in the new year, my first trip will be to the CES, the Consumer Electronics Show in Las Vegas. And there I will I will be there and uh, I will come back with a lot of knowledge. Many things I have discussed, I have seen opinions um, that I gained while being there, while talking to the companies there. And so in mid-January, I will have a at least one, probably two episodes on what happened at Vegas, because what happened at Vegas will be discussed here in the Human Technology Podcast. So a little break, and uh, this one is the last episode before um, Christmas. A little commercial block here, CES alert, you can meet me there. I will be there and opposed to all the other years before, I will be part of a booth. I will not have an own booth, but I will be there. I will be an exhibitor at CES, which makes me a bit excited. It's a totally new view. My friends of the P3 group here out of Stuttgart, um, they invited me to be part of their activities and I decided to do this. This gives me a couple of advantages. You can catch me there at the P3 booth. Um, I will have a, some are limited, but I will have some access to a meeting room there. Um, if I book it up front, so we will have uh, a seat and uh, some some some. Uh, uh, let's say some silence or some uh, room with less noise um, to talk to each other. If you want to meet me at the CES, give me a signal, send me a mail, um, contact me on LinkedIn, and we will find a slot when I will be on the booth and uh, when the, the meeting room will be open and 
Um, I have no idea what kind of services are included in the package that I bought at P3, but I guess uh, some coffee, some, some water should be possible so that we have a fair chance and a positive environment to discuss. End of commercial blog. Software-defined vehicles. This is what I will talk about today. It's one of the big megatrends of the automotive industry. Um, this this is a, a growing thing and is a thing that is discussed deeply. I had a keynote at an OEM last week and uh, they asked me, hey, Peter, talk about the software-defined vehicle and the connected user experiences and of course, I made this part of the keynote I gave there. And um, together with digitalization and connectivity, and I talked about both, both megatrends more than once here on this podcast. But the, the digitalization and connectivity are basically the backing technologies of software-defined vehicles. And early last week... Uh, Monday and Tuesday, I attended a conference in Berlin on software-defined vehicles. And it was a pretty big event. So it was three sub-conferences in parallel. One about software-defined vehicles in general. One about um, software processes and one about uh, security in software-defined vehicles. So lot of people, a lot of effort, a lot of focus on that thing, on software-defined vehicles. The thing that, the one thing that, that really, really caught my attention and that somehow makes me a bit puzzled, that confuses me a bit, is not once while I was there, one of the presenters, one of the speakers talked about use cases you know they talked about processes about software structures about security about how to set up the entire thing about all the technological background all this is important no question but without the right use cases it's not useful and just having something that is important is okay but it has to be useful I'm talking about this a lot. If technology is not having a value, if it doesn't make this earth a better place, if if uh, it doesn't make human lives anyhow better, faster, safer, more focused, funnier, fa yeah, whatever, there must be some kind of positive experience about this behind technology. Otherwise, we are wasting all the resources we put into this, all the materials, the time, the money, the focus. Some of us put their entire lifetime or their work lifetime, as long as they work, into technology. And shouldn't we have the idea that we need to create some value out of this? And this is the reason why I decided to make an episode about the use cases of software-defined vehicles. Those use cases that I see, you, you may see different ones, and this is a totally dynamic, agile, moving environment, so it's very hard to predict things in an exact way, but 
If we see the chances that we have with software-defined vehicles, then we should um, yeah, put a lot of effort into it to, to make it uh, a reality, to, to make it a real value. All right, let, let's start with um, the definition. What is a software-defined vehicle, SDV? It basically means that new functions in a vehicle are not realized with a dedicated hardware or computing device that is somewhere in the car, but through software that runs on a central computing unit. Tesla has the big advantage that they can develop cars um, from scratch. They, they had the chance to really start from zero. They didn't have any established developer teams. They didn't have any established supplier connections, any established kind of thinking and processes. They were able to start from scratch. And somebody in Germany disassembled a Tesla and realized, oh, they're having just one central computing unit instead of a distributed network of computing units in a car. And this guy was super surprised about this and large parts of the German automotive industry was really, really um, surprised about this. It surprises me that someone is surprised about this because to me it's a natural way to say, yes, okay, I want to have one central computing unit and if I have peripherals, I will not use the slow old CAN bus, but I will use some Ethernet, computer, uh, internet, uh, whatever, data-based uh, bus for this one. And this is the way uh, Teslas are constructed. But anyway, um, this idea of a central computing unit that runs software um, gives us a growing flexibility because we do not need a certain piece of hardware anymore and a certain piece of software that is dedicated to a fixed piece of hardware. But we have something like a flexible unit uh, in, in the center. And so, from my point of view, software-defined vehicles are the next and consequent step of evolution in the automotive industry. They are the basis for an ongoing process, progress, including everything that is on automation, self-driving, networked, data exchanging, IoT cars. So they, they are they are software-defined vehicles are one step on the way to a constant transformation from cars with electromechanical parts to intelligence, uh, flexible, expandable, mobile, electronic rolling terminals. And with software-defined vehicles, and this is one of the big advantages beyond the functional flexibility that we can add functions without adding additional hardware, um, it is uh, that we have constant updates possible. And it's much, much easier to update one central computing device instead of having a network of devices that all work in a different way, that all speak somehow a different language and that have different needs and, and different statuses. And yeah, this, this is the way it is today. And uh, so software-defined vehicles will be... The future will be easier to handle, will be easier to update and much more flexible as far as functions are concerned.
So I will talk about three different groups of use cases. One is differentiation. And I will talk about this a little more in detail in, in the next minutes. Then it's uh, security, safety, and efficiency. And the third area is the core experience that we can give to drivers with software-defined vehicles. All right, let's start with the differentiation. With the growing number of cars with an electric drivetrain, it gets harder to differentiate between different car brands. So today you are having a BMW with an inline six cylinders engine opposed to a Mercedes with a V8 shaped um, engine. And uh, yeah, so, so engines, the, the combustion engines and different kinds of engines, they have an enormous potential for differentiation. And one of the reasons why I love to ride my, my Harley Davidson is because it has this 45 degrees V2 engine, combustion engine in it. At the very end of the day, if we get more and more electric engines, it will be harder to, to differentiate between cars and, and to emotionalize cars because I, I cannot imagine that anyone will ever have an emotional connotation to an electric engine and that they will make a difference whether you have uh, the, 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 the copper wires uh, clockwise or counterclockwise or whether you have the brushes inside or outside of the rings. And I mean, those are the differences you may have in electric engines, but they don't make any user difference. They don't create any user experience. And so it will be very hard, sorry. It will be very hard to differentiate between um, brands and also between car models. So smaller cars may have three-cylinder engines and the middle class may have four-cylinder engines and the upper middle class six-cylinder engines and yeah, all, all these things and will not be possible in the future. So we can use, and this is one of the use cases we can use, um, uh, software-defined vehicles to create future differentiation between brands and between car models. We can create specific user experiences. I will talk about this one in the, in the third one. But we are living in a world where we create, in general, more and more uh, digital user experiences. And my kids are pretty much combustion engine oriented, but uh, their friends are fully digital. And all they're interested in is how big is the display? What is the content? Can I download apps? Uh, how well can I integrate my personal life, my personal uh, devices, my personal smartphone into the car infrastructure? Those are the things that um, create user experience in the future. And it will be possible to personalize this one. So to get a user experience, to get a car, to get an HMI, a human-machine interface, an interaction that is specific for one single person. So the idea of making a car that is a one-to-one -one fit with my expectations, my experiences, my dreams, my wishes, my ideas, 
that is as possible with a software-defined vehicle. And this could be physical things like seats, seat uh, adjustments, like climate adjustion adjustments, like, um, I mean, seats and, and, and an air condition, this is existing, but uh, drive style, for example. Uh, my, my, uh, maybe I want to have a little stiffer suspension and a little stiffer steering. So this is possible with the software, with the software-defined vehicle. It can be a little more sporty driving style. It can be a little more of an economical drive style. It can be more of a safe driving style. So all this will be possible. Um, illumination is also one thing. So individual illumination in a car um, based on what the car is doing, based on what uh, other things uh, or yeah, things that are not in the interior of the car, what, what they are doing, based on that I can change all these um, uh, parameters in the car. And of course it can be a digital adaptation, a, dig a digital personalization that we have, like my media, my contacts, my way of communication, my services, my preferred interaction style with the car, um, which interaction channel do I prefer? Am I more a voice interaction guy, more a gesture interaction guy, or a screen, a touchscreen interaction guy? So all this will be possible with the software-defined vehicle to, because we can really, we don't have any limits or hardly any limits if we want to design in a software-defined vehicle and a fully digital car experience. Second point, safety, security, efficiency. I already talked about software updates. This is an obvious thing um, that uh, it will be, pre will be pretty easy to, to update size of this. Software is never ready. So software is never done. Software is always work in progress. And whenever we have something that, that runs on software, we have regular updates. We update our smartphones, our computers, uh, we already update quite some parts of our cars. And so this is one part of it, that we create, for example, security in cars. The entire security world is a uh, race between the bad guys, the hackers that want to take over things, that want to steal data, that want to control cars, and they want to steal cars on one side, and the car makers, the suppliers, the software programmers on, one, on, on the other side. Whenever there is a new level of safety, some of the hackers will find ways to work around this, and then we need another upgrade of the software to keep the safety on the same level. So it's, it's a race between these two parties, and Instead of um, driving back to the, to the workshops, uh, instead of exchanging pieces of hardware in the future, we can go um, with, uh, with uh, over-the-air updates, which are much easier in a software-defined vehicle, and which have much more power in a software-defined vehicle. Yeah, and over-the-air updates, there are either FOTAS, which is um, functions over-the-air, meaning um, that I download an app and I get an additional function or I download um, some, some new feature for my air condition or for my seat heating, so that I can just download it, install it on the central computing unit and then have a new feature in my car, a new part 
uh, of my online user experiences. Or we can talk about software over the air, which is then what I talked about with the safety updates. So it's not a new function, but it's a new software that makes my car safer, safer, more efficient, um, saves energy, all these things. And again, software-defined vehicles allow this kind of software update without adding hardware, without adding some, some computing device, because we have this powerful computer in the central unit. We can reduce the energy consumption um, of a car um, with a software-defined vehicle because we can optimize many different things, particularly if we think about uh, collaborative driving, think about um, traffic uh, data included. And yeah, if my car knows um, there will be a lot of red lights up front that may not speed up at mass at, at uh, in most times uh, because there's a red traffic light anyway in front of me yeah, so i can reduce the energy consumption with data that i process and uh, with this central computing unit that does everything in the car we can use this in uh, emergency scenarios so we, we can we can uh, give fast reactions if we have a physical accident or physical threat in the real world, an analog threat, then uh, we can we can use um, the the software-defined vehicle to include itself into the emergency chain, to the emergency rescue chain um, that that we may see. Yeah, and and also on digital threats. If we have one central computing unit, uh, it is very, or not very easy, or much easier to install safety procedures that constantly look, is there a threat, a digital threat? Am I part of a cyber attack in my car? Or uh, is this all okay and all good? And I was at a, I uh, uh, heard a keynote uh, lately, a few days, two days, two days ago, on uh, the safety and security of IoT devices, on the hardware. And this is a serious thing. Cyber attacks are one of the big threats that we have, that, uh, that exists for humankind. And with a software-defined vehicle, it will be easier to, to protect us, at least in this area, from this. And one more thing, um, you all know that I'm very much involved in artificial intelligence projects, that I do cover a couple of research things on this one. And the integration of artificial intelligence of a self-learning system is, of course, much easier if we have a software-defined vehicle. Right, let's move on to the driving experience, the driver experience. So I talked about uh, the physical driving behavior, sporty versus ecological versus safe. So this, this could be one thing. Um, and, and because we, we, can, we can adapt the entire car easily to one of these driving styles. So we say I want to be a bit sporty. Uh, the the, the uh, software-defined car can check. Is it possible? Is there an area around me where I can drive a bit sporty? Um, with not too much traffic, uh, maybe outside of uh, uh, urban areas. And then uh, can I get the steering stiffer and, and, and the suspension stiffer and 
have more uh, torque, more uh, power on the engine. So all this uh, will, will then be possible. Even more, software-defined vehicles are controlling, are steering, are adjusting the digital driving behavior. With this constant connectivity, the driver is always part of a network, of his own network or some other networks. Now this, this is um, a totally new experience uh, we, can, we can gain. And uh, so that we say, okay, what, what are services where, where constant connectivity is, is uh, required? What problems of a driver can I really solve with that? And uh, yeah, with all these access points, uh, all the functions, all the apps that I have in my entire life, they can easily be reflected in a software-defined vehicle, particularly if um, I have a operating system, if I have all the technology ready that allows this. We can create intuitive uh, HMIs, intuitive human-machine interfaces, personalized HMIs. I am a person that wants to have more voice interaction, so I get more voice interaction. There's another person that wants to have everything on a main screen, let's say the 12 most used functions on a main screen, and uh, with the one-click activation. And others want to have a very clean, very uh, tidy, very, very structured main screen with a very low number of, of information. And then we can present this one. And we can change this, we can adapt this, and so we can personalize cars in their entire uh, behavior, in their entire user experience that they, that they provide. Automated driving, autonomous driving, um, those two are not or hardly thinkable without software-defined vehicles. We have this constant exchange of data, we have this... Uh, constant processing of sensor data inside a vehicle to allow automated and autonomous driving to, at the very end of the day, uh, yeah, allow a smooth experience um, that, that uh, we have. Collaborative functions, that's very closely connected to that. Car-to-car -car communication. What are other cars around me doing? What are they planning? What, what, what will be the traffic on the route if, if everyone starts uh, in the moment uh, he or she is supposed to start? Uh, so I have an indirect uh, access to the calendars of someone else, knowing, all right, she will drive uh, the same route as I um, at, at the same time because she has the same destination. And then my car can decide to be a little faster or a little slower or drive a different route uh, to avoid enormous amounts of traffic on a few roads. Card infrastructure and communication, um, an expansion of the sensors of the car, um, talking to traffic lights, talking to traffic signs. And this again will create user experiences when the car is very sure and very safe um, in about what, what is going on in, in the environment. And the last point in the user experience and the driver experience I'd like to mention is a constant feedback. Giving constant feedback to the driver on safety. Where am I? How am I driving? And also on efficiency. How efficient am I? How long will I last my battery if I continue driving like this? And then making suggestions on how this may change or how I should change my driving behavior to expand the lifetime of my battery 
load. So th those, those were a couple of, of thoughts I had about uh, use cases for software-defined vehicles. So they are, in the moment, a technological problem, which is fine. We need to solve the technological problems. A few of the presenters of the, of the speakers on this conference said, yeah, we have saved most of the technical problems, but... And then they pulled out some minor things and talked about this for, for, for 30 minutes. Sometimes a bit dry, but yeah, that, that is the status we are in. And software-defined vehicles are seen as technical problems at the moment that we need to solve. Use cases are not in the focus and at the moment. And this is why I gave myself the freedom to talk about half an hour about the use cases in the area of uh, differentiation, uh, efficiency, safety, security, and driver experience. All right, that's it for this year. If you celebrate Christmas, I want to wish you a happy holidays, a super happy and relaxing Christmas time. I wish you a smooth start into 2024. I hope to see you in Las Vegas at the CES. Book your meeting with me. Just send me a mail and I will put you into my calendar. And then, um, yeah, we will hear us again mid-January with a new episode on the Human Technology Podcast. That's it for today. Thank you for spending time with me. I hope you were able to take something with you and do something for yourself that will be forever. For an unknown exchange, you will find me on LinkedIn and on my websites, peter-rusker.com and beyond-hmi.de. Write me an email on the podcast at beyond-hmi.de. Tune in next time. Take care and stay healthy.